Well, I've entitled this message, um, Passing Through Psalm 27. And um, there's a lot of wonderful things in this psalm. I want to pull a few things out for you this morning. The first thing that I really want to speak about is this business about walking in darkness. You know, this man, David, as he wrote this psalm, he seems to be full of fear as he writes this psalm. Look what he says in verse 2 and 3. When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will be stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. This man, he's speaking about evil men. He speaks about their intentions to devour his flesh. He speaks about armies, foes, wars that surround him. That is what he is speaking about. And and these things generally fill people with fear and worry. Now let me speak really to the non-Christians here today. Maybe there's people here who haven't really come to faith in Christ. Maybe those who will hear my voice later on who haven't really believed on Jesus Christ. Let me speak to you for a moment. You see, we live in a day where terrorism and evil and wickedness and war abound. Let's face it. None of us here really know nothing. We know nothing about living in a time of war. We know nothing about it at all. I mean, the Second World War, most of us don't understand what it was all about. I mean, you need to speak to someone who lived through it to understand the terror and the fear that was there in the Second World War. I think only one here today, I think Helen Muggeridge is the only one here, is 90 years old, who could tell us something about what it was like to live in, throughout the Second World War. Because do you know that during the Second World War, do you know that London was bombed? Factories, schools, houses, churches completely demolished during the Blitz in 1940-1941. During the Blitz, children and families had to be evacuated out from London. Not only evacuated, they ended up in Essex. In Debden and in areas like that, you knock on the doors of people in Debden and ask them, how did your family end up in this house? And they will tell you, many of them will tell you, we were evacuated during a time of the Second World War. And many families went through the distress of having bombs going off around them. Even my own father-in-law was born during a Attack of the enemy, bombs going around as he was delivered into this world. That is the fear that we don't know nothing about because we live in such peaceful times. But that was the reality in Great Britain. London was bombed. But I'm listening to the news this week. Now I listen to the news this week, I hear this top. Analysis, analysis guy speaking, and he says, 
World War III can be possible. That's what he said. He says, I've been looking at history, he said, and I want to tell you, the conditions are the same that it was in the 1930s. And in the 1940s, the conditions seem to be the same. And this man is saying it's possible for a World War III to take place. War. Breaking out in England. Can you imagine it? Tanks. Instead of police officers driving up and down our streets. Tanks and and war vehicles driving around. And soldiers, not not police officers patrolling, but soldiers walking around. That is possible. We think, oh, maybe not. But I'm telling you now, there's countries in this world where that is happening right now. Why not in the UK? But I can hear the non-Christian man saying, ah, don't worry about that. We have got the United Nations. They're a peacekeeping force. We have got Europe looking after us. Nothing will happen to us. Oh, they say, but I want to tell you, even the United Nations is in confusion. They have another voice saying, ah, we have America, USA. They are the strongest nation in the world. They will look after us. They will make sure peace Come to a UK, but ah, I have to tell you, darkness covers the whole of America. There's darkness, blackness in our world today. And the question is, who shall you turn to? The question is, who will you turn to? But the psalmist cries out, Look what he says. The Lord is my light and my salvation. He turns around and he says, the Lord is my light. In the world of darkness, confusion in Europe, blackness and darkness in America, the government knows nothing what to do, but the Lord is my light, he says. And Jesus steps into the New Testament. And what does Jesus say? He steps into the New Testament. And when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Praise be to God. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Darkness may cover the world. Darkness might be in America. Darkness might be in England. Darkness might cover the men's mind. But there's someone saying this morning, I am the light. If you follow me, you will never walk in darkness. Not only that, David says that he doesn't look for salvation in anyone else. He doesn't look for salvation in governments or in prime ministers. He doesn't look for salvation from men. He says that the Lord is his light and his salvation. In another psalm, he says this, I lift my eyes to the hills, for where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the creator of heaven and of heaven at birth. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. I lift them up. I don't look to man. Don't look to the governments. No, 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 no. I lift my eyes to the hills. But where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the creator, the maker, the sustainer of heaven and earth. That's where he is looking. That's where he got his eyes 
For he knows that God is his saviour. But still, the problem that we have today is if you go back to the 30s, if you go back to the 40s, 1930s, 1940s, do you know the whole nation back then, the whole nation was called to prayer? So Winston Churchill, the man you find in your new five-pound notes, if you've got any of them, you can very welcome give them to me later on at the end of the service. But Sir Winston Churchill appeared on television. You won't hear that now today, but he appeared on TV back then and he called the nation to prayer, asking them to pray that God will give us victory. Churches were full back those days. Preaching was true and real back in those days. Back in those days, people were encouraged to look to God for their salvation. Not to look to man. Not to look for the ingenuity of the army. No, no, no. They're all needed, yes. But to look to God. That's what happened in the 1930s and in the 1940s. But now we live in a godless nation. Don't tell me that we're in a Christian country. We are not in a Christian country. But the Bible turns around and says this word to you this morning. And I'm speaking to the non-believer. The Bible says the only saviour is the Lord. Praise be to God. He is the light. Let me move on very quickly. Because not only can I speak to the non-Christian. Can I speak to the Christians here this morning? If you're non-Christian then maybe you might want to switch off at this time. But I want to speak to my my brothers and sisters this morning in Christ. I want to speak to you this morning. You see, you are involved in a great struggle. You are involved in a great fight. I was speaking to a brother this morning, who this week, who came to see me struggling with sin and depression. And he came to see me today. And he didn't realize what he ought to realize, but he didn't realize that he is involved in a great struggle, a great wrestle. What is that struggle, you say? What is that wrestle? Well, look at what the word of God says in Ephesians chapter 6. It says this, for our struggle, or our wrestle, or our fight is not with flesh and blood. No, says the word of God. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark, dark world. And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Christians don't want to hear this. But I want to tell you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. You are involved in a struggle this morning. The enemy has raised his fiery darts. The enemy has surrounded you. Satan wants to bring darkness into your world. The devil hates you. And he's against you this morning. But in that darkness, even though we wrestle against, not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness, even though in that darkness, 
Jesus still speaks in that darkness. And Jesus still says, I am your light in that darkness. I am your light in that gloom and blackness. When Satan seeks to bring it on, I am your light. And when you follow me, you will walk, says Jesus. Ah, you will not faint. You will not collapse. You will not despair. No. The Bible says, you will walk when I follow, when you follow me. I wish there were more Christians. Listen to me carefully this morning. I wish there were more believers. But when they go through darkness, they still walk. The man that I spoke to this week, he's not here in church. He should be in the house of God. Going through darkness and trouble and depressed. Where's the remedy? You can't find it on television. You can't find it at the of a bottle of whiskey. You can't find it with friends. Where is the remedy? The remedy is found in the house of God. I wish more Christians, when they're going through darkness, and they hear the word of God saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will walk. Instead of Christians collapsing and falling and failing. And so Jesus Christ cries out. Paul himself takes up this. The Christian who makes Christ his light. The Christian who makes God his salvation. Paul picks it up. And he says these wonderful words in Romans. No, he says, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. No matter what the devil throws at you, no matter how dark it may get in your life, nothing but absolute nothing will separate you from the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, praise be to God. I'm so glad I got somebody excited with me this morning. <laughs> praise be to God. Yes. The wickedness might be around me. As a Christian, I'm fighting and battling every single day. But oh, praise be to God. Praise be to God. He will never separate me from him. Let's move on quickly to my second point. Walking in darkness. But how about this? Passing through darkness. Let's move on to this second point. You see, the psalmist here, he says... In verse 4, he only desires one thing. Look what he says. One thing I ask from the Lord. This only do I seek. This only the one thing I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord. And to seek him in his temple. That is his desire. He only has one desire, he says. He only has one request. 
Well, you know, it seems to me that the church of Jesus Christ has forgotten some serious words from the Bible. They seem to forget words like strangers, pilgrims, aliens. These words, even when I speak them to you, they might seem a bit odd to you. They might seem a bit strange to you. You haven't really heard those words um, recently. Words like strangers and pilgrims and aliens. What are these words talking about? Maybe the reason why we don't know what these words actually mean today is because we're too busy trying to make heaven on earth. Even though earth is tainted and dark and breaking up around us, we still try to create a little bit of heaven somewhere on earth. But the Bible calls you strangers. The Bible calls you aliens. The Bible calls you pilgrims. Now, I don't really like using the word aliens. Because in our minds, something ugly and green tend to come up in our minds. You might know somebody a bit ugly and green. Um, but sometimes that thought comes into our mind when we think about aliens. But I remember our old film back in the day. You will remember it as well. You, you know it very well. Um, E.T. You remember that film, E.T.? Yes. We remember it quite well, those of us who are older, maybe younger ones are wondering what I'm talking about. But E.T. was a film, and, and there was a green little alien there. And, and you remember his famous word, that little green alien? He looked up into the stars and looked up into the sky, and he will say, E.T., go home. That's what he used to say. But let me show you something in God's word. Look what it says here in, in Hebrews says this, although these people were still, still living by faith when they died, they did not receive the thing's promise. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were aliens and strangers on the earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. Instead, they were looking for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. These people in the Bible, they were living by faith. And as they were living by faith, they were considered to be strangers upon the earth, aliens upon the earth. Why? Because they were looking ahead for something better. You see, they were saved from sin and from hell and the world has lost its attraction to them now. And now they turn and they say, there's something better. And the Bible said, yes, there is. God has prepared a city for them. You know, nobody, nobody goes on a holiday to Spain or to, to the West Indies or to the Bahamas. No one goes on a holiday and packs their whole house. When they go, they just take a 
bag, a suitcase, maybe two suitcases. And they take that with them on holiday. Why? Because they know that they are staying there for a short period of time. They do not belong to the West Indies. They do not belong to the Bahamas. They don't belong in Spain. No, no, no. They're only going there. They're not a citizen of that country. They're only going for a short space of time. And you know what I'm talking about. You know that when you go on holiday, you are a stranger. When you go on a holiday, you are the foreigner. When you go on a holiday, you know that you want to eventually come home. I don't care how comfortable the bed is in the hotel room. You know that your bed... It's far more comfortable. No matter how good the kitchen is, on your holiday home, you know that you'd much rather be cooking in your own kitchen. You know that. Why? Because when you're over there, you are an alien, a stranger, a foreigner, and home is still back to where you live. Now listen to me carefully. Sadly, the church has made its home down here. Sadly, Christians have become lovers of the things of this world, lovers of this, lovers of pleasure, lovers of things that we can put our hand on, and we begin to love what this world has to offer, but we forget what God has called us to. Some things are not bad things. I'm not saying all these things are bad. No, no, no. But it seems that if God has given you one wish, what is your desire? What is your wish? What would it be? You know, I blame preachers for this problem. I blame people like me who stand in pulpits for this problem. You see, people like me have Describe God as a genie in a lamp. You know the genie in a lamp? You get the genie in a lamp and you add your tithe. Put your tithe in. Put your bit of your money in. And then maybe a prayer. And you pray and you rub the lamp. And then God appears to you and gives you what you want. What do you want? And these preachers will tell you, you can have what the world has. You can have the wealth. You can have the success. You can have the marriage or the sex or the love you want. Ah, just ask God. Rub the lamp. And he will give you what you want. But what does the psalmist say? David turns around and he says, one thing I ask, oh God. One thing, Lord. I want to put down my tools of my trade. I want to put down the things that I, I once loved and cared for. I want to pull up the pegs of my tent. I want to put down my houses and my cars. These things are lovely, but they're not important. No, Lord, I want to put all of them down. And one thing I ask, that I might dwell in your house all the days of my life. Leave it behind, because I'm passing through. I haven't arrived yet, Lord. No, no, no. I'm a stranger. I'm an alien here on earth. I'm a pilgrim. I'm just passing through. Oh, Lord, leave it all behind. That I might dwell with you. 
You know, airports are lovely places. I've, I haven't been to many airports, but I heard that some of the airports around the world are absolutely beautiful places. I've heard that Toronto Airport, has anyone been to Toronto? Anyone been to Toronto Airport? There's one, two, three, four people been beautiful airport. I heard it's really lovely, really clean. If you go to Heathrow or to Stansted, they're lovely, clean airports as well. They have coffee shops. They have duty-free you can, um, even some of them, you can have showers. There's shower facilities there as well. And there's lots of wonderful things that you can do in an airport. But you must be out of your mind to want to live in an airport. Who in their right mind will want to live? Oh, they're beautiful places, clean and lovely. But who will want to actually stay there all the time? Madness. I want to tell you, this world is like an airport. You're just arrived at the airport. But you're not going to stay here. Or you will enjoy some of the facilities that the world has to offer you. That's fine. Enjoy them and have them around you. But you know, these things are fleeting and passing. You're not going to stay here. Why not? Because God has called you to something better. Now let me stop talking and, and look at the Bible. Look what God says in 2 Corinthians. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, the earthly tent is what? Is our bodies if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God. An eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Here he says, there's that heaven, here's where I belong. And now, what do I do? I groan. Oh, that I might be in the presence of God. I groan, oh, that I might stay and leave behind these things and be with the Lord himself. We groan, he says. Ever since my son Benjamin had gone to be with the Lord, Kim and I have groaned to join him. But it shouldn't take the death of a loved one Oh no, to cause us to groan. Shouldn't take sickness and illness when we can no longer enjoy the things of this world to groan. We should be groaning now in our health, in our strength, with things and family around us. We should be groaning for this place far more than what we do today. And the psalmist, even in his health, even in his strength, he turns around and says, I seek to be with God. Paul ain't finished yet. He turns around and he says, now it is God who has made us for this very purpose. God has made us not to offer our parts of our body to, as instruments of wickedness, we have not been made to offer our bodies as instruments of wickedness. No, says Paul. He has made us for something else. He has made you for something different. Look what he says. He has made us for this very purpose that we might
might dwell with him in glory. That's what he's made us for. And he has given us the Holy Spirit as a deposit. Oh, the Spirit reminds us that I'm not part of this world. The Holy Spirit reminds me that God dwells within me. Because I'm not made for this world anymore. I've been born again. I've made for heaven. You have been made for heaven. Brothers and sisters in Christ. Are you groaning this morning? Are you longing to be in God's presence? You're in God's presence now. Wonderful. We can enjoy it. But there come a day when worship like this will see like children's play. No, we want to worship with the angels in heaven. James, you're good, James. But I want to hear the angels praising God. Let me wrap this sermon up as we come to a close. Passing through darkness. Let me just finish. And this is only a short part of my message. Turning away darkness. In closing, I want, to see, I want you to see the kindness of God in this, uh, in this psalm. The kindness and the patience of God in this psalm. Look what he says here. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face. Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my saviour. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. The psalmist says, my heart speaks. My heart says something. I know that our hearts are wicked. The Bible tells me that my heart is wicked. But sometimes our hearts want to respond to God. Sometimes we want to say something back to God. And I believe this morning, your hearts are warming up. I believe this morning, your heart, this morning is saying, I want to say something to God. I want to say to God something. I want to, I want to be where you are, Lord. I don't want to rely on men. I don't want to rely on, on government. I want to rely on you. Your heart wants to reply, wants to respond this morning. Your heart wants to speak to God. Praise the Lord. But you know, when we look at our hearts and we, and, and, and we want to speak, we, we suddenly stop speaking. Why? Why do we stop speaking? Because we remember there's wickedness there. There's sin there. There's rebellion there. And we look at our failings and we say, how can I speak to God? How can I be where God is? How can I draw near to him? And yet the Lord turns around and says, you might be a woman. You might be a man who's got a wicked heart. But I want to tell you, God says, I will not turn you away. You might be a man or a woman with sin in your life. Maybe you love this world too much, but you come to me and God says this, I will not turn you away. No, I will not reject you. I will not turn you in my anger. No, 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 says the Lord. I will never turn you away. In fact, the Lord says, even your father and your mother, your parents, they might reject you. I hope they won't. But maybe it's possible 
that a mother or a father rejects you and turns you away to the Lord. But the Lord said, even though they reject you, the Lord said, I will never forsake you. I will receive you to myself. He will not hide his face. Brothers, sisters in Christ, why go to anyone else? Why turn to politicians? Why turn to governments? Why look to man for help? When God says, I will receive you just as you are with your weaknesses, with your sins, with your failings, with your complainings, I will receive you just as you are. Come to me and I will no wise turn you out. That's what the Lord says. For even darkness might be around us, there is a light. That light is the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, you are called strangers. You are called pilgrims. You are called aliens. Because this is not your home. I want to declare that this morning. This is not where you belong. No. God is calling you up. He's calling you higher. He's telling you to loose your grip on the things of this world. Because I am building a city for you. I am building something for you that has foundations. That will be wonderful. That you will... Be in my presence and to gaze at the beauty of the Lord. May that be your desire. If there ever was a lamp, if you ever did rub it and God appeared to you and said to you, what is your desire? May your desire be, Lord, can I dwell with you for all eternity? Amen. Father, we thank you, God Almighty, for your word. And we pray that this morning, oh God, we pray that man will be pushed to one side. Lord, we want nothing to do with man. He has nothing that we want. This world, Lord God, although we can use its facilities, and Lord, we thank you for blessing us with a wonderful world, and there's lots of things in it that's beautiful and lovely, but Lord, we don't want to be tied. We want to be done with the world, oh God, because there's something better. There's something more glorious. There's something more wonderful that you have prepared for us. Oh God, oh God, make that real to the church this morning, that we will be pilgrims, strangers here on earth, because our citizenship, our belonging is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our mortal bodies, that it will be like his. Glorious body. In Jesus' name. Amen.